the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize? We get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. Hey, guys. Bud Elliott here. Welcome back in to my summer school series on the Cover 3 podcast. Today, we are talking Colorado, and for that, I'm going to the expert. That's Adam Munster-Tiger of Buff Stampede. Adam, welcome back to the show. But thanks for having me back on. Uh, it's been boring times in Boulder. I don't know what we're, what we're going to talk about on this show. I, I mean, I, I felt bad for you having to cover that last year at, at times. That was, uh, but now you got got a lot of lot of really interesting storylines to follow as Deion Sanders comes to Colorado, uh, and he inherits a smoking crater uh, of a team and, and uh, set out to dispatch with it. Essentially, right? Yeah. One in eleven last year. Uh, the worst Power Five team by basically any power rating that's publicly available, and they what seventy, sixty or seventy players leave the program and fifty come in. What I'll open just what what has it been like covering this thing? It's been madness, and I know it's more challenging for everybody across twenty four seven sports in, in this transfer portal era. There's just so, it's so much movement, but yeah, it's pretty much a complete overhaul of the roster at. The recording of this, they've got 12 returning players that were on scholarship from last season. So it's unprecedented. Players. Players. Yep. Okay. And so this is something similar to what Deion Sanders did when he got to Jackson State, but doing it at a Pac-12 program with the visibility that he he has, you know, on, on a bigger stage has made Colorado the, the center of a lot of headlines, both positive and negative now. Deion Sanders and his staff came in and they were surprised at, at the talent level. They knew it wasn't going to be great coming off a one and 11 season, having the worst scoring margin among all FBS programs, uh, but it was even less than they anticipated. And so the, the thought was we've got a completely clean house and there's a new ish NCAA rule that allows a first year head coach to do that, to, to cut bait now. There is the, a stipulation in there that if you cut the player 
and they want to continue their education, they can stay and do that. Um, not many guys have done that, though. Colorado has had uh, guys that have gone other places, uh, Nico Reed to Oregon and Jordan Tyson to Arizona State. There's some good players that left Boulder. But when you look at the overall group of incoming talent versus the talent of the guys that they lost, it's a substantial step forward for this program. So uh, I think you can sometimes, I think if you're a Colorado fan that was you know following these kids that were re- being recruited when they were juniors and seniors, came to Colorado and developed, and then they leave, that, that doesn't feel good. But when you look at the, the big picture, what Deion Sanders and his staff have done in Boulder in terms of overhauling the roster and improving talent, it's pretty remarkable that they've accomplished what they have. Yeah, this has been absolutely fascinating to watch. Uh, I, I think one of the, the real keys for them so far has been getting a, a linchpin in, in Shador Sanders. And I, I want to ask you about his game because like, Jackson State last year is an interesting evaluation case, right? They had 19 players off Jackson State either end up in an NFL camp or transfer uh, up to the FBS or, or Power 5 level. So with all due respect, the SWAC is not a very good FCS league. It's one of the lowest rated by all the power ratings out there. And it's hard for me to figure out just how good he is because he had a massive talent advantage around him in the SWAC. It doesn't mean he's a bad player or doesn't have talent, but like it's hard to figure out when, when you have a lot of guys that are wide, wide open. Like, What have you seen from him so far, uh, be it in practice, or what have you heard from your sources about his ability to translate at this level? There's definitely going to be a learning curve, as you alluded to there. When you go from the SWAC level, there's certain throws you just can't make at the Pac-12 that that he got away with last year. But this isn't a a typical FCS to FBS type quarterback. Shador Sanders was a a blue-chip recruit coming out of high school. Alabama was among his scholarship offers coming out of high school. So it's a different talent. I I think he's going to make – a few throws and some mistakes this year, and he's going to learn from that. So it's going to be a process. The thing that's impressed me the most about Shador Sanders is just his mental ability and picking up Sean Lewis's offensive scheme, which is an up-tempo offense. They're going to get going. We were allowed in for a couple open practices this spring, and Shador was clearly ahead of everybody else offensively in terms of just picking things up. So when the other guys start to catch up to him and, and he has definitely emerged as a leader in this program, they've needed him to uh, once the other guys kind of catch up with him. I think that's when you're going to start to see his uh, talent shine more, but yeah, th- there's going to be a learning curve there. Uh, but you know, Colorado, they haven't had a quarterback drafted since 1997, since Coy Detmer. So uh, there's no question that quarterback play is going to be much better than it has any time recently in Boulder uh, but yeah, there, there's going to be uh, definitely a, uh, I don't know, a four or five game stretch, you know, early on, especially going against TCU and uh, playing Nebraska in USC and Oregon, where he's going to have to uh, adjust a little bit to this level. Not about. I'm glad you mentioned Sean Lewis's offense. We, we've actually had uh, Sean Lewis on the, the Cover 3 podcast and, and, and talking with him and his Kent State staff, and, and they, they run the, you know, the veer and shoot, as, as you know, which is the, if, if you're watching at home, the, the, the old Baylor stuff, or, or basically what Tennessee does now, and everybody has their own their own take on it, but I mean, it's spread the field crazy wide with, with, with the receiver splits, and, and the tempo is nuts, and uh, it, it really is a, an offense, though, that is 
commonly misperceived as a passing offense. And, and I, I think if you listen to those guys talk, and they don't reveal a whole lot about the offense, but they all the commonality is, is that they discuss how it's a it's a physical run based offense at its core, and and they they pass offense. So I want to ask you about the run game, and obviously that's you know your your quarterback's part of that, but it's it's you know backs and offensive linemen. I don't hate this starting five offensive line for Colorado put down in the portal. Am I wrong to think this is a, a better offensive line than what they had last year at some spots? Oh, it's better than what Colorado had last year on the offensive line. No question about that. Uh, it is a challenging offense for specifically those offensive linemen. They've got to get moving. They've got to be really well conditioned. And uh, on Washington comes in as the right tackle after playing at Kent State under O'Boyle and under Sean Lewis uh, there. So he's going to be a, a mainstay there. Tyler Brown coming in from Jackson State is, is a guy that has NFL build to him. And uh, yeah, they've got a couple other guys, uh, Jack Bailey, that they brought in from Kent State. There's no question that the talent level on the old line is probably going to be mid-level conference-wide now. Again, are you going to take that next step up? Are you going to have enough ability to win five or six games this year to attract another couple offensive linemen through the portal next year and really have a a top-level Pac-12 unit? Again, I think this is kind of middle of the Pac-12 at this point, but a a huge upgrade over what they had uh, recently. A question I'll be asking about about many of these position groups is is depth, right? It's not easy to sell playing time in the portal in a starting spot. It's easier to do that than it is to get good players to come and be backups. What, what is the drop-off like, in your opinion, from the starting five to, to the next five here for the offensive line? From the uh, the offensive line, uh, th- there's probably about eight guys that you feel comfortable rolling out there. Now, if that's one of those positions that, that just gets hammered by injuries, then that that is where you're going to see this massive roster overhaul that they've had in Boulder show itself. When there's a particular position or two where it just seems like they've had bad luck with injuries. And, and that is where kind of the drop-off comes. You like the starting group in, in some cases uh, you, you like the second group, but yeah, you start getting deeper down into the, into the depth chart. And, and that's where one of the concerns is going into the season for sure. On the outside with the pass catchers, I mean, you have Xavier Weaver, Jimmy Horn, both from USF, uh, they took what Jalen Ellis from Baylor. This is a long list. I'm going to read off. Uh, Tavares Dawson from Auburn, who I know is as a connection um, uh, to Coach Cheney, or well, uh, player development. You know Cheney now, who was at at, at Lehigh prior uh, high school. Uh, Willie Gaines, uh, Javon Antonio, and Travis Hunter's also going to play receiver a decent bit. I've, I've been reading. How do you think this shakes out? Like, do you have a feel for who the quote unquote starters are? It was the guys you mentioned at the top there, Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn. Uh, Jimmy Horn came on campus this spring and was the first player to earn his number. That was something that Coach Prime wanted to do to create competition was uh, if you want to be a single digit guy in my program, you're going to have to go out there and show that you're worthy of that. And Jimmy Horn was the first player on the entire roster to to earn his number this spring. Uh, Incredibly quick off the the line. I, I think that. Travis Hunter's needed more on offense. And it, it just is a situation where we saw in those brief open practices this spring that he is just an elite, he's an NFL round one draft pick on either side of the ball. And when you 
have a Colorado program that was one in 11 last year that was not able to score a lot of points and you have that weapon, you've got to utilize him. One of the things that Deion Sanders has said is that Travis is one of those guys that just never gets tired. Now that's going to get tested this year. And I think you've got to be smart about it at times, but I think he's going to have a bigger impact on offense and, and that's where they need him to. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It makes you wonder, sort of, uh, to, to borrow an NBA term, load management, right? Colorado is, is uh, likely to be you know, blown out a couple times this year, most likely by, by the very upper crust of, of the Pac-12, uh, and they'll be in some more competitive games against you know, sort of a little more comparable teams. It makes you wonder, like, how much does he play in some of these these games that don't go their way, right? Like, do they save do they save his legs some in there, or do they load manage him? You know, maybe more in practice, right? I, I, I don't know. I, I will say for Colorado fans out there, I've seen Travis Hunter a ton, uh, especially in the seven-on-seven circuit. Yeah, he on Travis Hunter on offense is ridiculously good, and, and I totally agree with Adam. Like the ball skills, the ability, that the the feel for for how to get open is is pretty nice. Uh, I'm, I think this offense, if they stay healthy, can take a massive jump. I, I, obviously. Back of quarterback is probably an issue. Like you said, offensive line will, will be tested with depth. But the skill guys, you got to love, I, I think. I mean, Weaver and Horn is, is is a very nice combo, especially when you add 100 to that. Like, they could go – Connolly had him – Bill Connolly had him 76 last year. Could they make a jump to, I don't know, top 50 on offense? Top top 40, perhaps? I, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. But that's certainly talented. Um, the bigger reclamation project here. Is on the defensive side of the ball where they were 129th in defensive rating last year, which is, I think that's what Hawaii, maybe La Tech beneath it, but not, <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling to think. Certainly nobody from the Power of Five. Uh, they hired what, Charles Kelly, I think, from Alabama as the defensive coordinator. How has his install gone and what have you heard about, about the evolution of this defense? Yeah, not a whole lot of secrets being given there, but one of the things that Charles Kelly has talked a lot about is that uh, you can't be successful in this day and age of college football if you're just going to sit back and not be aggressive. And so this is going to be an attacking type of defense. That's one of the things we know. Like most defenses, it's going to be multiple. I I don't really know if there's a true base defenses. We've talked uh, to a lot of the defense alignment and edge guys that are cross-training and a lot of different techniques. So uh, it, it's going to be, uh, and, and that's kind of the way that college football has evolved. Uh, he had success 
at Florida State and then struggled for a while as the the play caller there and is coming off a stint under Nick Saban at Alabama and, and comes in uh, pretty highly respected. He's especially good as a recruiter. Uh, he was actually the number one ranked recruiter in the entire country on 24-7 sports. Now, being at Alabama certainly helps with that, but he's he's got a good personality, and it seems like uh, Deion Sanders and, and him have meshed really well. Uh, again, Charles Kelly having that history at Florida State, Deion Sanders' alma mater, those guys have known each other for a long time. So, uh, so far, you know, in, until they get out there and, and there's live bullets, it's hard to say definitively what this defense is going to look like, but uh, it does sound like they're going to be pinning their ears back and, and trying to be pretty aggressive. Their, their strategy on the defensive line is probably one of necessity, right? Because the, 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 the number of good defensive linemen in the portal uh, is kind of limited, uh, honestly. Uh, and I mean, like Derek McClendon had a decent bit of success at Florida State. I, I haven't seen him. Like that's that's a guy I would expect to start at Colorado. I don't think he was going to. It, he he probably would have split reps opposite of Jared Burse uh, with with, a, with Patrick Payton, who won ACC Defensive Rookie of the Year uh, last year, and is you know coming on with a good spring. But aside from Derek McClendon, I, I'm having a hard time. Sorting out this group because they took one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen other transfers in the defensive uh, line, and I, I have no idea if any of these guys are any good. A couple of them were formerly like former highly rated recruits, but didn't really do anything at the schools they went to. So I'm curious, can you kind of sort this out for me? I, I have no idea what to do with, with my depth chart. There's a lot of guys that, yeah, for different reasons, they were intriguing to bring in, but haven't exactly proven it. A Savelle Smalls that was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, went to Washington and played a little bit there, but was not, you know, living up to that five-star hype, but was a guy they expected to play. It wasn't a guy that got pushed out at Washington. So they expect him to come in, but the number one guy on that defensive line to talk about is Shane Cokes. He comes in from Dartmouth where he had success. And from day one, he was a leader in this program, which is, something that they desperately need, you know, with this roster overhaul to, to have a guy that, that comes in from the Ivy league with, uh, you know, only a couple years of eligibility remaining that sense of urgency. Uh, and, and he was really leading the charge for the whole defense this year. And when the team came back this uh, over Memorial day break uh, to have a team meeting, Shane Coke stood up in front of the whole team and, and gave it a pretty impassioned speech. So he is the guy there that, I think is going to garner some all-conference buzz w- once they start playing games this fall. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, w- what is your level of concern about about the depth here? When I saw how many guys were actually in the program, I was like, ooh, like that's a spot where it's just hard to get enough bodies through the portal to, to have that depth. Is this just a thing where you think the drop-off from first to second team is substantial, or, or do they do a decent job here? I think there's actually not much of a drop-off in terms of uh, the depth there, but outside of Shane Cokes, is there – another all-conference guy that you can talk about, another guy that's going to be a household name by the end of this coming season. Uh, so when you go for, beyond Cokes and, and you start listing the third, fourth, down to the 10th guy, uh, there's not a whole lot of separation at this point, and, and certainly that w- w- will kind of work itself out during camp. But, yeah, a, a lot of guys that you like the size or kind of the potential, like I mentioned, Savelle Smalls coming out of high school – there's things that you like about these different guys, but they're not the guys that start. They're not the type of guys that started 12, 13 games at their previous, you know, power five stop. So 
Uh, they're, they're guys that have something to prove at this level. I know we're running long. I just we've never done a preview of a team that is entirely brand new. So like I feel like I have questions about <laughs> almost every uh, position today, and I really appreciate the time uh, talking to Adam Muster Tiger of Buff Stampede. Have you had a chance to see Leonard Payne? I asked because yesterday I recorded the the Fresno State um, episode with Jackson Moore, right of summer school, and, and he said like the kid they lost to Northwestern off Fresno was not particularly good, uh, but Leonard Payne, if he could keep his head on straight, is a Pac-12 type player like was he in for spring did you get a chance to, to, to get eyes on him yeah he was in for spring and, and definitely one of those guys that uh is an all bus team type guy he, he looks the part he's all put together uh when we were talking to Sal Sinceri who uh takes over as the defense tackles coach uh he said he likes some of the things that he's seen from Leonard Payne but yeah it, it is about putting it all together and that's going to be a project for for Sinceri th- this year the the tool is the tools are there, but yeah, he's pretty raw at, the, at this point. At linebacker, they do lose their top four guys by snap count, but again, none of them got drafted, right? I don't think any of them went like power five transfer, so it's hard to say those are our big losses. I assume that the transfers they brought in with Brendan Gant, Levante Bentley from Florida State and Clemson, Demoy Kennedy from Alabama, and Jeremiah Brown uh, from the Jackson State kid, I think. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I assume those are your those are your your contenders to start. Those are your top four guys. There, Vance okay. Bentley was another guy that came in and, and from day one had that hunger in that ability to, to to lead that linebacker room. He made quite a few plays at Clemson. Just you know, it, it was not able to be that consistent starter there, and so uh, he, he's taken that opportunity in Boulder and run with it. Demoy Kennedy is a guy they're really excited about coming in from Alabama had a torn ACL last year. Uh, if he can work his way back to being 100% by the time the season kicks off, they they really like his speed uh, that, that he brings to that linebackers group. In the secondary, they, they lose Nico Reed, who I, I think most would agree is a you know, pretty good football player, and some other guys who were somewhere between, I guess, below average to decent is, is probably a, a fair characterization there. They took a ton of transfers. You know, one, two, three. We already mentioned Travis Hunter. Uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight other transfers in the defensive secondary aside from Travis Hunter. And they bring in Cormani McLean, the, the, the five-star corner who, you know, can, can certainly cover. Uh, have to see how the transition is to, to college, but was you know, very, I live in Orlando and we got to see him a pretty good bit and, you know, a very, very high-level player. How do you think the secondary shakes out? Yeah, I think if Cormani McLean comes in and, and lives up to the hype of being what what he's listed at on 24-7 sports, being the number one cornerback in, in the 2023 class, that, that takes a little bit of the pressure off Travis Hunter and can, as I mentioned earlier, allow him to play more on offense where I think they need him more. Um, now they've got to sort out some of the depth there, but it, it sounds like Cormani is going to be that guy. When Travis Hunter got to Jackson State and even during the recruiting process, Deion Sanders became a father figure for him. And you can see that development happening with Cormani McLean. And I think um, that's going to be his big project here in, in the next uh, few months is to get him ready for, for the PAC 12. And, and they're certainly banking on him to, to be a guy that's going to start at cornerback. So I, I asked this to all of our guests, where, where is the spot on this team uh, other than quarterback? Cause most people go there where the drop off from the starters to the backups, like what position group it just, not the backups are unplayable, but that may be the case. I don't know. 
uh, like where, where the starters have to stay healthy because the backups are, are a substantial drop off. Such an easy answer. Quarterback, you go from Shadur Sanders to right now, true freshman. You know, Ryan Staub has got a bright future. He was an early enrollee. It looked like he was picking up the offense pretty well for a true freshman, but to have him go out there and start games this year, he's not ready for that. And so they need Shador Sanders to stay healthy at quarterback in order for them to, I mean, their ceiling and floor as a program just significantly transfers if he gets hurt this year. And he's not, but he's not huge, right? Like what, what, what is Shador like six, one, two, two Oh five. He's pretty well put together. Yeah. He's not a, a, a small guy uh, and he gets a, an earful every time he takes a hit from his father and head coach. So uh, he has definitely learned uh, during his development to get out of bounds when he needs to, but yeah, you, you mean you're going to be out there and there's going to be 300 pounders coming after you so that you can't mitigate all of the risk, but he's a very heady quarterback in that sense. How important is it for Colorado to get off to a, a decent start and, and, and like make sure they don't drop the Colorado state game and you know, maybe get one early of either like Nebraska or Arizona state so that they, they keep that attention and they're able to, to keep the recruiting you know, going. No, it's, it's important. Now I think a, a two and three start would be just fine, especially if uh, you look good in those losses. Right. And, and y- this coaching staff is not going to say this publicly, but you know they they know that this is a a, a rebuild that's not going to be done overnight, and you do, you don't go from one and eleven to eleven and one, uh, especially with all this roster turnover and, and having to uh, create new leaders, and, and it's a lot to ask for them to have success out of the gate, uh, especially given how challenging the schedule is. But uh, it is important to at least show. Uh, the signs of progress in order to kind of build that momentum, especially with recruiting. You know, there's a lot of 2024 recruits that really like Colorado right now, but they want to see, okay, is this going to live up to the hype? Absolutely. Adam, really appreciate the time today here on Cover 3 College Ball Summer School. Everybody needs to check out Buff Stampede. And this, this was awesome. I feel like I learned an absolute ton about Colorado. Awesome. Thanks, Buff. Appreciate you.